Welcome to Mind and Soul Matters. We're delighted to share with you again another special presentation from a live forum. It is part of a series of live talks organized in collaboration between Mind and Soul Matters and Melville Baha'i Community to discuss issues around mental health in our society. I will leave the introduction of our presenter to Dr. Dina Ashurian, MC of the forum. Enjoy this very interesting and informative presentation. Our final speaker is Ms. Massa Anderson. Massa Anderson is a counseling psychologist and is currently working as a senior consultant psychologist with the Department of Communities. She specializes in providing compassionate and effective treatment for anxiety, depression, PTSD, and helping individuals navigate the complexities of mental health. Massa is also the founder of the Tri-Self-Care Model. This groundbreaking whole-person wellness program harnesses the power of the five pillars of lifestyle medicine, nutrition, exercise, sleep, social connection, and stress management to foster healing in the mind, body, and soul. Thank you, Massa. I would like to start by acknowledging the traditional custodians on the land that we stand here today, the Wajak Noongar people. I'd like to pay my deep respect to their ancestors and their elders, past, present, and those leaders emerging today. The field of nutritional psychiatry is so big that I'm going to have to talk very fast for 12 minutes to try and capture a snapshot of it. But I will try. I will give it my best shot. Uh, nutritional psychiatry is a developing form of psychiatry where we literally look at the question, can we use nutrition as a prevention and a treatment strategy for mental health disorders? And if I don't get to finish this talk, I'm going to give you the answer now, so that uh, in case I don't get to finish it. So the answer is yes, absolutely. We now know uh, very clearly, and there's been studies after study after study that has shown that we can use nutrition as a way of preventing and treating mental illness. Um, so that's the field of nutritional psychiatry. But I would like to talk about a client of mine called John, not his real name. John came to see me. He's a 70-year-old gentleman. He's in a, by all intents and purposes, in a very happy marriage. Been married for, you know, 45 years. He has three lovely adult children who he has a beautiful relationship with. He has grandchildren that he's besotted by. But he came to see me for depression. And he said that all my life, as long as I remember, I've been depressed, and I don't know why. We looked at his childhood history. There was nothing remarkable about the history. You know, he had the normal lot of challenges and adversities, but nothing traumatic. By all intents and purposes, he'd done really well. You know, he had a beautiful relationship. He'd done well in his career. He was living in, down in Denmark in a beautiful, as a dream retirement. So he just was baffled. Why am I always depressed? 
What's going on? And the only way he could come up with any reason, the, uh, any logical reason, was that he looked at his own dad and he said that, I think my dad must have been depressed. He was never diagnosed as such. But I think now looking back, my dad would have been a depressed man. And it must be my genetics. So that's what he had come up with ultimately because there was nothing else that he could hook on to why am I always depressed. He'd had small periods of feeling well, but basically his entire life he had suffered from depression. So I introduced the concept of lifestyle medicine psychology. Now, for those of you who may not be aware, uh, and sorry, you did a very good introduction of that, lifestyle medicine actually has six pillars. <laughs> I've added one more. <laughs> the, real, the real lifestyle medicine has six pillars. I tend to work with the five, but there is six pillars. So I, in, I explained to him that as a lifestyle medicine psychologist, I predominantly deliver intervention using lifestyle lifestyle practices. I look at your nutrition, your exercise, the way you sleep, your social connections, how you manage stress, and how you consume substances. That's the sixth one. Uh, I don't tend to delve into that too much. I don't have a lot of experience in it, but those five in particular I work a lot with. So he was, he was interested, and I said, well, let's do an assessment. We've done a psychological assessment. Let's do an assessment of your uh, lifestyle practices. It turns out that John, he didn't sleep very well because he would go to bed and he'd have this reflux, very uncomfortable reflux, which would keep him up. And then as he was lying in bed awake and uncomfortable, all these ruminating thoughts. And I'm sure that some of you can <laughs> relate to that, that when you're lying in bed, your brain decides to remind you of all the bad things that have happened, <laughs> all the wrongs that people have done to you, and all the things that you, know, you could have done differently. So that's what was going on with, with John. So he was lying awake, not getting enough sleep. So he wasn't exercising much because of his uh, bad back. He had a bad back. He had moved to Denmark, so he'd lost a lot of his social connections. And he kind of didn't consider himself as a stressed man. He said, I'm retired, you know, so I don't do any practicing mindfulness or stress management or anything like that. So basically, he wasn't doing great from a lifestyle medicine perspective. Uh, and I'll get to nutrition in a minute. But the other thing he did tell me was that he was a devout Christian. And so one of the very first thing I talked to him about, and I'm including this because this is about spirituality and mental health forum, I said to him, would you be open in using your religion and use of prayer and meditation to manage some of these depressive symptoms? And he said, yeah, absolutely. So in that very first session, we introduced the idea of, and this was mostly driven by him, I just kind of guided it, but he really felt that he wanted to be able to visualize sitting with Christ and giving Christ all of his worries every day to, to just really visualize that and pray and meditate. So I said, great, you can do that. So can you do that 10 minutes a day? He said, yeah. So that was that. Then we looked at his nutrition and the reason I'm, we focused on all of those aspects, I'm 
particularly covering nutrition today, obviously. He said that he eats bacon and eggs for breakfast and then he has a sandwich of sorts for lunch with meat and uh, cheese or something. And then he has, uh, he loved, he said, I love deep fried food. So I have a steak and chips and uh, fish and chips. He loved chips. And uh, who doesn't? I mean, <laughs> let's not demonize him. He, we all love chips. But, and he said, literally, his plate was so be filled with this, you know, steak or fish and chips. And there was a little bit of room left for, you know, vegetables. Um, so I started introducing the idea of an inflammatory theory of depression. I think what's going on for you? I said, have you eaten like this most of your life? He said, yes. I said, what's, I think what's going on for you is not childhood stuff because there isn't any childhood stuff. It's not that your genetics, yes, genetics play a role, absolutely. Would you be open to trying a different kind of diet? And he, this was a man, admittedly, who's very motivated and wants to do something. So he said, yes, what do you mean? What do I, what do I have to do? I said, there is now incredible amount of evidence around these two types of inflammation, actually. One is the type when you get a splinter in your finger and your body builds an inflammatory response, and that is the good kind of inflammation. That is quick, and it's healing, and it's protective. There is sadly another kind of inflammation, which is a systemic inflammation. It is largely caused by our lifestyle choices, largely, there's other factors, but largely caused by lack of exercise, bad diet, stress, and so on. And it's an internal and systemic kind of inflammation. And it has been directly linked with all sorts of physical health issues, including some cancers, uh, heart disease, obesity, diabetes. They've, every chronic illness you can think of has some kind of connection with internal and chronic inflammation. So now there is this new idea that maybe mental health, maybe depression and anxiety are also caused by this systemic and chronic inflammation. And in fact, what they've done, they've looked at people who have committed suicide and they've found that their brain and their system was much, much higher in inflammatory sort of markers than people who didn't die of suicide. And some research is coming out where they're looking at anti-inflammatory medication for the treatment of depression and anxiety and with some success. There is a complex relationship. It's not, it is a complex uh, and it, it's still emerging. But the theory is that if we can reduce the inflammation in our system, have an anti-inflammatory or low inflammatory diet, that we could reduce the instance and of depression and anxiety. So I told him that, just what I just said, and he was like, okay, what does that mean? So there is three golden rules to a, a low inflammatory and a, what we would call a high quality diet. 
Now, many years ago, I decided I wanted to be vegan. I'd done all the readings and I thought, that's it. I'm going to be, not only I'm going to be a vegan, my whole entire family is going to be a vegan. Anyway, I went home and I said, we're all going to be vegan from today. And of course, it went down like a lead balloon. Nobody was happy. And my six-year-old daughter at the time, I cooked something with uh, cauliflower or something. And, and she said, mom, this tastes worse than poo. That was, <laughs> that was it. My point is, uh, then when I saw John and I was talking to him, I didn't say you need to go vegan and you need to start eating lots of cauliflower. What we said was, let's try these three things. The three things that have been found to give you a high quality dietary pattern. We want to have a high quality dietary pattern. It's not all about superfoods and eating chia seeds. It's about having a high quality pattern. Number one, eating predominantly whole plant foods. Whole plant foods. And there's five of them. Fruits, vegetables, legumes, seeds and nuts, and whole grains. Those five things in their whole form give you the best mileage for a low inflammatory diet. So predominantly, so what we talked about, John and I, is I said, still have your meat, but maybe have a little bit smaller so that a majority or at least a fair component of your plate is that whole plant food. So that's the number one. Number two, if you do choose to eat meat, and there's nothing wrong with that, I have come a full circle and, you know, there's nothing wrong, but choose, firstly, reduce the size, reduce the frequency, and choose the best possible meats that you can afford. Because meat and dairy are highly inflammatory. They are. They, that, that's not coming from a vegan perspective. That is what science tells us, that meat and dairy are highly inflammatory. So they should be consumed in a lot less quantity than certainly we have. And the third component of a high quality diet is to eliminate as much as possible processed food. Food that comes out of a packet is not recognized as food by our bodies. It's actually recognized as a foreign object and it increases the inflammation because your body eats that cheesels or not that I ever eat those things <laughs> or, or you know uh, whatever but it recognizes that as a foreign body and it gives you an inflammatory response. So eliminate it. So I said to John, do you think you could do this? You don't have to do it overnight. You certainly don't have to jump into this. We, we can work. And so we spend the rest of the session planning, setting goals, and so on. John, I, I said, I'll give you four weeks to go and you know do this. So I saw him next month. His words to me were, I have never felt this good in my life. I have never felt this good in my life. I said, whoa, I was surprised. I was like, what? What happened? Firstly, that deep connection with Christ really made a difference to his midnight rumination. And he actually, off his own back, had gone and gone from 10 minutes a day to twice a day, 10 minutes a day. So in the morning and in the evening, he would sit with Christ and he would 
package of his problems and he would put it at the feet of Christ and pray. So that was great. And that is the subject, a whole subject of another forum because that is incredible and we now know the, the impact of meditation and mindfulness practice. But the diet, he said, uh, he feels amazing. He went really well. But the other six sessions that I spent with John wasn't about this, because this information anyone can Google. What we talked about is how do we go from intention to behavior? And that's the space I sit in. It's an uncomfortable space sometimes, because we all know we have to eat well. Nobody's surprised by that. It's that gap between intention and behavior that I sat with John as he progressed towards closing the gap. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I feel inspired to eat well, exercise, <laughs> pray and meditate. <laughs> Masla, keep the microphone because we have a question for you online. Someone oh. online is asking, how do we go from intention to action, which you sort of finished off with, but you didn't give us the answer. <laughs> there is four main barriers that uh, I identify usually with my clients that keep us in that gap uh, or make the gap very big. So those four, I have actually made a little sheet for you all to take home if you're interested. And the, those four are, I want to say excuses, but the reasons we use, well, let's say I eat too much sugar and uh, every time I come from work, I eat sugar. So one of my uh, barriers or excuses might be, oh, I'm just tired. I really need a boost in my energy. So that's uh, one of the reasons. The next one is comparison. We compare ourselves too much to other people. Oh, I will never be as good as so-and-so. That so-and-so has a much better motivation than me and so on. The third barrier is this crystal ball we seem to have that predicts the worst in the future. <laughs> I will never be good enough. I will never, this will not work. It will fail. Judgment, that's right. Being very judgmental of ourselves and really putting that mean internal self-talk. So part of bridging that gap is to address those four barriers. Thank you so much. If you found today's episode useful, remember to share an episode with a friend and follow Mind and Soul Matters on your preferred podcast platform and on social media. Look forward to your company next time on Mind and Soul Matters.